basketball is back, everyone, and the Hawks are ready to compete. You know, the last two seasons are now behind us. Uh, it's a new year, uh, new opportunity, uh, new challenge. All right, everyone, that was Nate McMillan talking about the Hawks turning the page and heading into the next season. So welcome, everyone, to the Hawks Report. Uh, this is a podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that'll give you the stories behind the score. So I'm Lauren Williams, and I'm the new Hawks reporter here. And today we are going to be talking about media day, training camp, and all that good stuff uh, as we get ready to head into the 2022-23 season. Here to talk about all of those things with me today is sports columnist at the AJC, Michael Cunningham. Michael, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. How are you feeling? How are you feeling about basketball being back? The weather's turned. It's getting chillier. You know, everything's right around the corner now. Yeah, the the weather I love. Uh, it was weird seeing the Hawks starting so early started early than most than most teams because of the preseason trip but uh, so it was a little bit weird seeing them so early in football season i guess but it's time for some basketball and that's always a good thing in my opinion exactly so for anyone who doesn't know the hawks had their media day a couple of days before the rest of the nba did just because they as michael mentioned will be heading overseas to abu dhabi for a couple of games uh, during the preseason, they'll be facing the Bucks on October 6th and October 8th. But before we even start thinking about preseason playing time or competition or anything like that, we've got to talk about media day and training camp. So, Michael, you were, you know, with us at training camp on Friday. I just want to kind of get your overall thoughts before we kind of dissect everything that we learned. Yeah, I mean, it was a uh, very positive, you know, aspirational talk from the Hawks, which is what you expect from any team this time of year. But I think that they, more than a lot of teams, have legitimate reasons to feel good about this year. They're obviously a uh, team that has enough good players to be a playoff team. Uh, they have one of the best backcourts in the league now, I would say. Uh, the front court's good as, too, good as well. Um, you know, there's always questions every year about how it's going to fit and how it's going to work out. But I think they have the pieces. So uh, I think the optimism is justified. For sure. And before we get too deep into our discussion, we have just a little bit of housekeeping that we need to do. So if this is your first time joining us here on the Hawks Report, uh, I encourage you guys to make sure that you guys follow along on Apple or Spotify or wherever it is that you guys get your podcasts. And you know, I just want to thank you guys for, for being here with us. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. All right. So, Michael, one of the overarching themes that seemed to dominate Media Day last Friday was that, you know, the Hawks want everybody to buy into a kind of defensive mindset. So here we have Landry Fields kind of talking about, you know, some of the moves that they made this off off season and their commitment to making sure that people are competing on the defensive end of things. The biggest thing that we set out to do was approach our defense. Um, we had a few objectives from that standpoint. And as I mentioned when introducing DeJounte for what he does on the court, as well as some of the leadership components, as well as just being a high-level player, uh, I think we really captured a lot of the objectives that we set out to do. And getting Mo Harkless, Justin Holiday, you know, those vet, that veteran presence so far has been um, really good for our group. So seeing them in training camp, excuse me, in um, you know, in open runs and working with our young guys, we know we've got some good stuff there from a leadership standpoint. So that was another big thing for our locker room moving forward. So, Michael, when you have a team that was the fifth worst when it comes to defensive efficiency, you know, how difficult is it for them to kind of turn things around, even if they add in kind of the right personnel pieces? Yeah, and I, you know, I like that uh, Landry feels is pretty open about saying that, yeah, it's not as easy as just putting in better defenders in the rotation. You're just going to get better defensively. Uh, you know, it, it takes building that culture of accountability. Uh, it has to be bought in with your, your best players. It has to be, you know, accountability from the coaches. If, you know, if it's showing up on film that somebody's not, not getting a job done, you know, then somebody else needs to get their chance in there. Um, these are all things that are difficult to do within a, a team dynamic because, you know, these are human beings and people have opinions and feelings and thoughts on things. And uh, it's a workplace, so people don't always you know, see eye to eye. So it's going to be tough to get that unifying culture, I think. But uh, this is when you start to try to do it is during training camp. And obviously the big, I guess, prize offseason get for the Hawks was obviously DeJounte Murray. I mean, how, how much is too much pressure to put on him to kind of help inject that defensive intensity into the rest of this roster? Uh, from his perspective, from you know listening to him on Friday, he doesn't see this pressure. Uh, he came out and said, you know, I love defense. That's what I do. Uh, we don't have any – if we want to win, we don't have any choice but, you know, to do what it takes to be good on defense. Like, he, he's putting it on himself. He's saying, I came from that culture, and that's what I'm going to do. So, uh, you know, the Hawks are pretty much saying that's why we got him. That's one of the big reasons why we got him. You know, obviously the others is to have an off-ball guy for trade, but they got him and – Landry Phil said explicitly Friday, we hope that he brings that defensive mentality from San Antonio to us. So uh, I don't think it can be too much pressure because I, I think that he's taken on that role willingly. And, you know, one of the things that stands out about DeJounte is just kind of like how much he impacts. You can see his impact, excuse me, on the box score based on, you know, night in, night out, that intensity. And, I mean, he averaged, what, two steals per game. He he led the league or was second in the league in deflections per game. I mean, how much does that take some pressure off of Trey to, you know, kind of get that defensive side of his game going if he can get it going? I think it puts a little pressure on Trey to kind of match DeJounte's intensity, which is what I think 
they're hope they're hoping is going to happen here in this uh, this partnership. Yeah, I mean Trey, we know he has his size limitations. That's always going to be a thing, especially nowadays where teams want to play a lot of switching defenses. Uh, the Hawks really really can't have been able to do that a lot because of, because the Trey ends up in the mismatches. But uh, I think there's going to be a little bit more pressure on Trey. To, to compete defensively and also do the thing he does in offense, which is very difficult to do. I think everybody recognizes that, which I think is why Nate McMillan on Friday was talking a lot about conditioning. I mean, that's not the only thing that Nate talked about too, when it comes to Trey specifically. I mean, it's you, he wants to see, you know, Trey be a little bit mature, be a leader. And I mean, some of that is he's going to have to kind of, I don't want to say he shouldn't be the player that he can't be. Uh, if he's not a defensive whiz, he's not a defensive whiz. But as you mentioned, I think we want to see Trey be the guy that can avoid those mismatches if he can, right? And um, here's what Nate kind of said on Friday a little bit about, you know, seeing Trey kind of mature a little bit more. And I mean, Nate talked about going out to Oklahoma City to to be with Trey and, and work on a lot of different things with him. But here's what Nate had to say about that. The maturity is going to come. You know, I've, I've, I've been in this business for a long time. And, uh, you know, these young guys, they have to go through, uh, you know, this time, you know, the first four years. They're trying to figure out and establish themselves, uh, you know, Trey now has a family. He has a little, little one um, that uh, that changes you, you know. And I think the experiences that he has had over the last couple of years, and uh, you know, certainly that Miami series, that will change you. And I think the good players, the great players, uh, they learn from that. And uh, that's something that we feel that uh, that series uh, we need to learn from that. And uh, Miami. Uh, showed us that uh, we have to improve and get better and showed Trey that you've got to learn to uh, play a, a different style of ball. You know, what you did was great, uh, but you can do more. And, um, you know, Trey is up for that. He understands that. Obviously, from the outside looking in, you could say that my, that Miami series is a little bit of a wake-up call for where we would love to see Trey kind of make some steps forward. Do you think that this offseason was enough time for him to kind of start taking the necessary steps forward, especially since he's heading into, you know, his his fifth year in the league? I think so. Um, I don't think anybody's ever questioned that Trey really wants to win. It's not as if he hasn't ever made sacrifices. There have been times when he has played more off the ball. There have been times when he has played better defensively. I just think it's a matter of being consistency. And I think that's what Nick Miller's talking about when he's talking about that maturity, you know, to to uh, hold yourself accountable at all times so you can be consistent at both ends. You know, it's, and, you know when you say something to your teammates, it's going to have a lot more credibility when they see that you're putting all out to what, you know, and practicing what you preach. So I think he's up for it because – he knows what it takes to be great. And I think he really genuinely does want to win a championship. And he likes having that, uh, that responsibility on his shoulders of being the guy to do it. And obviously he has, you know, a solid core of guys around him, not just in Murray, but also Hunter and, you know, Collins for what he can do and, and Clint Capella. So, I mean, if you were to just kind of, I guess, say, 
how much this starting five has just kind of taken a huge step forward heading into next season. How would you qualify that or quantify it? Yeah, I think adding Murray to the backcourt definitely makes them a, a more, you know, dynamic offensive team. Uh, you know, Bogey and um, last year and at times Herder, they are, you know, obviously good NBA players, but just not not as dynamic as Murray with the ball as being a scorer and a, and a distributor. I mean, he's just on another level from those guys. So I think that's really going to change the uh, – I think they're going to play at a very fast pace when you have Young, Young and Murray. Uh, one thing Murray was saying, you know, I like to play defense because I think the best defense is getting a stop and you can get out and run. I think we're going to see that from this team. Uh, so I think, yeah, it's going to have a, he's going to have a really big impact on that starting five just from the, the, the style that these guys are going to play with, which is the thing that, um, you know, uh, Landry Fields was, was talking about and McMillan about the style that they want to play this year. For sure. And I guess I'm also thinking uh, defensively, you have a guy like Hunter who has such a, a long wingspan who can, you know, he's one of what the Hawks' best perimeter players. I mean, pairing him with Murray, I mean, how do you see that kind of, I guess, closing those gaps that the Hawks were missing last season, pairing him and Hunter together? Yeah, I think Hunter, you know, last year, in my opinion, didn't really have the same defensive edge as he did earlier in his career. Um, but he definitely obviously has that potential to be that guy. I think uh, Collins and Capella are a good defensive backcourt. They're pretty interchangeable in ways. Uh, obviously, Collins gets sometimes gets caught in mismatches, but he you know he holds his own as much. I think he's kind of suffered from a poor defensive reputation early in his career, but I think he's gotten a lot better. So, yeah, I think um, with Hunter and uh, even Bogey, Bogey's in my opinion is a kind of an underrated defender. He's he's a strong guy. Like if, if he get if he's if he's in front of you, you know he he's hard to move off his move off the spot. So I think. With Hunter and Bogey and with, uh, you know, Holiday and Harkless, I think they have more good perimeter defenders this year, although they will miss, obviously, the long right. But otherwise, I think that, you know, and the net effect of it is they're going to have more good perimeter defenders this year than they did last year. But we'll just see how they can put that together. This is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to take this time again to thank all of our listeners and everyone who subscribes to the AJC as well as AJC.com. It's what makes all of this possible. Now, if you aren't a subscriber, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. 
So the other thing that, you know, is extremely timely right now is right after media day, the Hawks went right into training camp and, you know, they had their first practice on Saturday morning uh, and then a second practice Saturday evening where they had a conditioning test. So, Michael, you brought up earlier, you weren't surprised that Nate is talking so much about having guys come into camp, you know, in shape. I mean, how much does that, I guess, speed things up or keep things on on track so that they can really address the needs that need to be addressed? Yeah, I think the conditioning is a very big part of building that defensive culture. I used to cover the Miami Heat. And that was always a big thing with, with Pat Riley is conditioning. They would have these conditioning tests when they got to camp. And you would always hear about guys saying, oh, I got to pass my conditioning test. Like it was always kind of on their mind. And sometimes, you know, you would think, man, they're kind of overdoing it with all this. So obsessed with these numbers and the conditioning. But I think it's so they could build that culture of we're always going to be in shape. You know, we're not ever going to be outworked. And I think you see that when you see the Heat play. They, they've been consistently good on defense over years because they, like the Spurs, have built that uh, mindset that, Nobody's going to outwork us. So I think that part of it's going to be a big deal for the Hawks. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be a, a focus for them during the training camp, as, as Coach McMillan said. Yeah. And I think what's indicative that these guys are kind of buying into it is, one, obviously, this is something that not everyone control, but they're they're generally healthy. I mean, Bogey's the only guy who isn't a hundred percent right now. And the Hawks are kind of taking a more cautious route because they want him ready for the regular season. But Nate, you know, updated us the day after that, that uh, conditioning test on Sunday and said, everybody passed. And when we kind of pressed him a little bit on, you know, what some of the results were, of course he, he doesn't want to name names, but he said that one of the guys was a plus 28. So, I'm curious who who would you guess uh was the guy that was the plus twenty eight i have I have one person in mind I think it could have been Murray. <laughs> He's my dark horse, yeah, that's exactly who I was thinking, um just because you could kind of feel the intensity that he had on media day, and he he would be the guy that I feel like would want to just kind of blow everybody out of the water and bank time. Um, I mean, I guess, how how do you anticipate these guys kind of, I guess, making the most of training camp now, now that we know that they're in the condition that the Hawks wanted them to be in when they arrive? Yeah, I would be surprised, though, if those if those goals get shifted in the future, then now that you've hit these marks, we might give you a higher mark just to keep, like I said, that that mentality going conditioning. Oh, uh, no, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, other than bogey, everybody's healthy and they are in a condition that for now the Hawks say is good, that they should be in at the beginning of camp. And so now they need to get in the condition that they want to be by the end of camp, which, but you're right, starting with that uh, a foundation of, of health and good fitness is, is, is a very good sign, I think. And obviously, I think, I mean, maybe what plays, not obviously, but maybe what plays a a part into why they, they wanted everybody to show up to camp on time is because they kind of had to, uh, I guess, bank the time because of the travel to Abu Dhabi. I mean, how much would a, an overseas trip kind of dictate a team setting a schedule like this ahead of time? 
Yeah, I'm sure they had, you know, a lot to do with it. And uh, like I said, I think they also just want that to be a focus. So that's what they're doing here early in camp saying, you know, you got to pass this conditioning test. But uh, yeah, I'm sure that that probably had something to do with it as well. So one other thing that I think helped uh, as well, you know, kind of give the Hawks the go ahead to really ramp things up and, and, you know, really get the competition started earlier is the fact that they're already getting guys going. So, you know, Nate McMillan kind of gave us a little tease of what that first practice at training camp was like. And, and here he is talking ab- about what that entailed. Well, it was just really good to, uh, to get back and get to playing. You know, we wanted to uh, start playing right away. So a lot of scrimmaging. Uh, today and you know some two on two three on three five one five and uh, you know focusing on the defensive end of the floor Uh, I thought the guys came in uh, in pretty good pretty good shape we'll see tonight with our conditioning test Uh, but I like our first day so again everyone passed that conditioning test I'm curious Michael what do you expect to be kind of the most competitive uh, position battles in training camp? Really, I don't really see too many, to be honest with you. Uh, I guess there's always a chance that some of the young guys could try to break into the to the uh, the rotation. But from, what, from where I see, there's so many veterans that's ahead of them right now. I guess maybe how much time between Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless, kind of that backup four slash three position might be kind of kind of a one of the position battles look which one of those guys is going to be more in the rotation and which one's going to be more of a you know outside of that rotation but other than that everything it seems to me is pretty much set as far as uh you know the top two at each position so you would have you know say Jalen Johnson ahead of Mo Harkless as the backup to Collins no no <laughs> I would I would have like Really? You say you have Jalen Johnson as a backup to Collins over Mo Harkless? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't do that right now. I need, I need to see more from Jalen Johnson. I know he had a, a pretty good developmental that, that year last year, but I would like to see more from him before I could say that now. So, no. I guess in, in hearing how Nate has kind of talked about Johnson and and how he he's one of those guys that matured and and walked into camp a little bit differently. I, I guess I maybe this maybe I'm being naive, but to me it sounded like uh, even though nothing is set in stone, that it was a position for Johnson to lose. But I mean, I can see your your point of view of wanting to wait and see a little bit more just because of the lack of experience, but. I personally ha- can see Johnson being the backup to to Collins, but you touched on it a little bit with maybe the rookies kind of being a surprise and and earning some minutes. But there, but are there any other surprises that you could see coming out of training camp? Yeah, I mean, I could see maybe like I was mentioned Justin Holiday earlier. I could see him kind of being as a, as a backup. Wow, he's really more of a, like a backup two, three, four. I think his versatility is going to come into play there. I think his uh, defensive, you know, acumen is going to come in there. So I could see him maybe being a bigger part of the rotation than it might seem for now, especially since uh, Bogey, as we said, is, is not is going to be kind of wound down through this camp. So I think a, with a good camp, Justin Holiday could be kind of that guy. 
Very, very cool. Well, those are things that we're going to keep an eye on as, as training camp continues to unfold. And, you know, we get a chance to see all of these guys in the exhibition games over the next couple of weeks before the regular season opens on October 19th against the Rockets here in Atlanta. And with that, Michael, where can people find you and, you know, keep an eye on what you're working on? They can check me out at my uh, blog, AJC Mike Chick blog. Awesome. You heard the man. All right, everyone. So I just wanted to make sure that I let you guys know that I did not forget about the questions that I asked you guys to send in to me, you know, last week ahead of media day. So you know, as I mentioned, I have my new producer here with me, Daniel Salerson. He's going to be reading those questions off to me, and we're going to go ahead and get right into that. So take it away, Daniel. All right. Thanks, Lauren. Don't forget, you can follow her on Twitter at Williams Lauren L. We'll start off with, will Jalen Johnson and AJ Griffin get consistent minutes this year? That's from I am DJ Yogi. So I think that we can anticipate Jalen getting some regular minutes. I'm not too sure about AJ Griffin right now. You know, AJ's a rookie. He's got a lot that he's going to have to prove. And I'm sure that the Hawks are going to want to see him develop over time. And they're going to use a lot of that time sending him to the G League. I mean, this is a very deep roster, especially in the front court. And I don't envision AJ really being on the court that much unless he absolutely blows them away uh, with his shooting over the course of the season. He did shoot 44% from three at Duke, but now he's going to be having to deal with the NBA speed. Now, Jalen Johnson, as I mentioned, I can see him getting some minutes in the regular rotation just because the Hawks know what they're getting from him. He's now healthy. He's more mature. I mean, Nick McMillan said that he was walking into training camp differently. So if they're going to be getting this guy who's more mature, who has a different skill set from John Collins, who can push the ball in transition and set plays up that way for them, I I anticipate him getting a little bit more action this season. All right. Well, DJ Yogi had, I think, five questions in his tweets. I'm going to get one (laughs) more in from him and then we'll go to someone else. He also asked about Onyeka and says, will he be allowed to shoot jumpers this season? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we'll be seeing a lot of jumpers from three, but Nate McMillan said at Media Day that he wants to see Onyeka taking some shots from mid-range. He wants him to look for those opportunities. And when I was at training camp that very first day on Saturday, we saw him practicing that a little bit, taking some shots from right outside that uh, post position there. So I feel like we'll get we'll get a chance to see a couple of jumpers from Onyeka, just not from a very long distance right now. And and Onyeka said it himself. He doesn't believe that he's quite there yet to to take jumpers from three just because they're still unfolding so many parts of his game. All right, this one's from at JF Willoughby. What is Nate wanting to make the identity of this year's Hawks team? And I remember one of the questions or one of the comments he made when he was in a doctor's office, someone didn't know who the Hawks were, and he was talking about who are we? And I think that's a great kind of theme to the start of this. So from what you're seeing, what you're hearing, who is this team right now? Yeah, I think that they're a team that's going to be hungry, scrappy. They've got a lot of veterans that are going to be trying to help them build their defensive identity. And I think that they want to be a team that's going to compete every single night. I mean, 
We've already seen them kind of lay the foundation for being a scrappy team from their trip to the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years ago. We didn't see as much of it last season, but I think the biggest theme that Nate wants people to take away from this this roster is that they're going to be competing each and every night. He wants them to compete in training camp, and I think he wants them to carry over that attitude into the regular season once play starts up. All right, this one's from at Preston underscore myth. You mentioned Jalen Johnson. Who will be given the first look at backup power forward minutes? Will it be Jalen or will it be Mo Harkless? I want to say Jalen. It's a tough one. Yeah, it is tough. I want to say Jalen just because of, you know, the Hawks know who he is, and I think he's kind of who they envision as, you know, uh, a player at the four in the future, especially if they decide that, they do want to trade John Collins one day. Please do not take anything away from this saying that they're going to trade John Collins. I'm just pointing that out just because he's been in trade rumors so much. It's hard not to to see him popping back up into it. But, you know, I, I feel like if they're investing in a guy like Jalen Johnson, they want to make sure that he is getting as many minutes as possible in the NBA, not just the G League, but in the NBA to continue developing. And I think one of the things that really impressed Nate McMillan last year is that Jalen wanted to be in the G League so that he could continue to develop. And so it's hard for me to see him not being rewarded for that kind of mature outlook to his development with more minutes as the backup for behind John. I can already see that someone's going to be tweeting out that Lauren's breaking news about trades already. We're not even a week in <laughs> to training camp. I love it. That's how we start I a know. podcast, right? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about, obviously, the big offseason move with DeJounte Murray. So at Flizop, I guess it's Flizop, F-L-I-Z-O-P, is Trey fine with shooting guard? I think that's the big one of the bigger questions that happened on media day is, you know, can both players play off the ball? How do you think that's going to look? I know obviously it's been just a few days, but how do you think they're going to balance that out with with two uh, point guards? You know, I guess I kind of envision it being a little bit of a co-ball handler situation. I don't think the Hawks expect either guard to stay in a certain lane. Um, I think we've seen that the league has been kind of moving toward a positionless basketball uh, trend, if you will over the last few seasons. And so I think that because Trey and DeJounte have such different styles of ball handling, the Hawks are going to want to utilize that. So I think I can see it being kind of like a read option offense to see what defenses are giving them, and then they'll act accordingly. I mean, we know DeJounte can attack the rim. We know Trey can shoot. And so I think they're going to really want to try and take advantage of that. I mean, obviously Trey can attack as well, but he's not quite as athletic as DeJounte. And so I I can see him moving and setting screens a little bit more and then moving into the corner. And And Trey seems excited about that. He said it himself in his press conference at Media Day that he's excited to kind of work off the ball more. And I think they kind of want to put a lot of people's worries to rest that this is something that they won't be able to do. And I mean, they're going to have to figure things out quickly in order for it to be successful. And I think the front office has kind of put that onus on them to figure out how well they're going to work together. It's it's not up to Nate. It's not up to, you know, Travis and Landry. It's up to DeJounte and Trey. All right, before I let you go, this is from at ATL Bobby C. 
Um, we need a John Collins finger watch. How is the finger looking? He says it's still not 100% healed, but it doesn't look the greatest. Have you been able to... I don't think you've... Uh, he asked if you've been able to get a good picture of it. I hope you didn't get a good picture, but no. be able to get a good look at it and see how it, how it's looking. I feel like it would be a little creepy considering that this is the first time that I've met John um, on media yeah. day to be like, hey, can I see your finger? Like, Especially yeah. because it's the it was the middle finger, right? Um, yeah. So <laughs> I feel like I'm setting... Way off, it would have been a bad start. Yeah, I think I'm setting myself <laughs> up for a really bad first impression if if I do that. But by all accounts, Landry and Nate and, and John all said that the finger doesn't look great but it has not affected the functionality, but definitely going to be on finger watch um, as the season progresses. And and when I can get that photo, I definitely will, but definitely don't want to get flipped off on, on the first day meeting uh, one of the Hawks stars. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So again, Lauren will be on finger watch throughout the, the rest <laughs> of the season. You can follow her on Twitter at Williams Lauren L. This is the great way for you to send in your questions yes. we'll have the mailbag every single week mm-hmm. and uh back to you lauren yeah thank you so much for joining me today i'm i'm so excited to continue this podcast again i want to apologize for how sporadic it's been but i hope that you guys won't forget to rate review um follow share and subscribe to our episodes. Um, You can get those wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope that you guys will continue to stick with us during training camp as we continue to put out new shows every Tuesday. I'm Lauren Williams, and thanks for listening to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.